Good morning and welcome to Brighton Road this morning for our service. Special welcome to those of you who are joining us online. Welcome to parents who've dropped their children at BRBK upstairs. And welcome to newcomers. We're adopting a fairly broad definition of newcomers. We've got a barbecue two weeks today at uh, Dick and Barbara's. Um, is Barbara here? She was, yeah. Dick would have welcomed you in on the way in. Uh, Barbara, I was going to get her to stand up. She obviously knew I was going to do that. She disappeared. Um, but if you'd like to come to the barbecue, do uh, pick up an invitation from the hub and let us know you're coming. You are very welcome to join us for a barbecue two weeks' time. Uh, welcome to all newcomers. Julie, you're going to talk to us about a prayer meeting that we're going to be starting soon. Thank you. Good morning. <coughs> In Job, we read, For God does speak now one way, now another. And Jesus said in John 10, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I believe that taking time intentionally uh, to listen to God, to seek to hear his voice is really important. And it's very difficult for us in our distracted lives, isn't it? Um, and so I offered, more prayer meetings were encouraged, so I offered to lead uh, something called Listen and Pray. Um, it would be, hopefully it will be on a Friday morning uh, between 10 and 11, once a month to start with, um, where we uh, may, maybe meditate on scripture, where we seek to hear God, see what he's saying to us, and then out of that quietness, then we pray together. So it will be a time to listen to his voice and see what he might say. We are his sheep and we want to hear him. So fourth Friday, um, hopefully I need the office needs to come back to me on that fourth Friday between 10 and 11, a bit of an oasis to seek God and pray out of that. Let's spend a moment in quiet. Our call to worship comes from Psalm 66, the first four verses. Shout with joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing praise to your name. We're going to do that. We're going to stand and sing praise to the name of God with all the earth, the rising sun that fills the sky.
all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. And when we look up, when we look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, who are we that you are mindful of us? Mortal human beings that you care for us. But you do. In the vastness of this whole universe, you know us by name. Our concerns are on your heart. We matter enough for you to give your one and only Son to die for us, to redeem us and save us from destruction and death. Lord, we're overwhelmed by your vastness and our apparent insignificance, but of your love for each one of us. We bless you. Amen. O oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hand hath made.
singing, you might want to call out a brief prayer of praise to God, or you might just want to sit down quietly and just be aware of his love and his presence surrounding you, if you're watching at home or here at church. But whether we wait, whether we speak, God is with us and we worship him. it is our, our goal, the purpose of our lives, to praise you, to worship you, to enjoy your presence. It's the crown and glory of our souls to adore you. It's good to be in your presence. Open our eyes to recognize your goodness. Enable us to catch a vision of your greatness. Help us to live our daily lives for you in the power of your Holy Spirit, our mediator, our comforter, our interpreter. And bring us, Lord, from where we are into fullness of life. Refresh us. Comfort us. Bless us. Renew us. Lift our eyes so that we look beyond the confines of our own horizons to you, our creator, our Lord, our comforter, our redeemer. And may our whole lives, as well as our words, speak of your glory. Amen. Stand and sing, what wonder of grace is this.
Lord, thank you that you lavish grace upon us. However great our need, however great our sin, your grace is more than enough to cover that. You are the God of truth. And we, we come to you to confess all the times we've been less than truthful in our relationships with each other and with you. And we grieve over all the joy that we've missed out on, the pain that we've caused. Lord, forgive us for being less than honest. And Lord, we're sorry for those times when we've ignored or been dismissive of others. For those times when we've pushed you away. When we've not wanted to listen to what you have to say or to acknowledge the truth of your word as it speaks into our hearts. Lord, forgive us. And Lord, we're sorry too for those times we spend remembering and living past experiences, looking back with rose-tinted spectacles, rather than focusing on the present with you. Help us to live well with you here and now. Enable us to look forward with confidence because of your goodness. But right here, right now, make us aware of your presence. Bring our lives into alignment with your truth. Where we've gone wrong, set us right. Bring us out of the past, into the present, so we can face the future. In Jesus' name, Amen. And in that spirit of prayer, we listen to some words from Psalm 25, verses 4 to 10. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Saviour. And my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. Let's ask God to lead us in his ways as we sing, lead us, Heavenly Father, lead us.
John 16, verses 12 to 15. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Lord, we want to hear from your Spirit. We want to know your guidance, your comfort. We don't want to live in accordance with our own weak desires, but in the light of your presence, drawing on your power, your grace, walking in the light, living in the truth. Keep us from being content with what we have, the small amount of your spirit that we think is enough. Forgive us for thinking you don't have more to give us. Make us aware of what we have and of how much more we could have of you in our lives. Pour out your life, your faith, your spirit, your love, your truth, your presence into our hearts. Enable us to depend upon you, to wait for your light, and give us, Lord, the fullness of your Holy Spirit, which you impart to us in your Son. You've said we are the light of the world, yet there is so much darkness in our hearts. Banish the darkness. Fill us with your light, and enable us to bring your light into dark places wherever we go, to be Christ-bearers in any and every encounter that we have. And we pray for dark places in our world today. For Ukraine. darkness of war, invasion, suffering, injustice. Hear the cries of your people in that land. Banish the darkness with your light, we pray. Bring your light into the situation where people are facing deportation to Rwanda and the whole refugee crisis, people coming here, people being pushed away from here, the, the massive need that only increases in our world with violence and climate change, the darkness of need. 
bring light into the hearts and minds of world leaders to make wise and just decisions. We pray for America, people protesting today against the gun culture. The darkness that fills the hearts of those who lost children and loved ones the other week. The ease with which violence is unleashed on unsuspecting and innocent people. Bring light into that dark place as well, we pray. You've promised that the darkness will never overcome the light. It doesn't always seem that way. But we put our trust in your promise and pray, Lord, that your light will shine and that your light will prevail. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we continue to pray for our world. Thou whose almighty word chaos and darkness heard and took their flight. It's a Trinity hymn for Trinity Sunday. Let's stand and sing this together. You know, I'm the only one in my household who enjoys eating yogurts. Nobody else finds the idea 
of eating bacterially fermented milk, remotely appetising. And what makes it worse is I happily eat yoghurts that are out of date. A couple of weeks, no problem. And I feel vindicated in that by the recent decision by Co-op to ditch the use-by dates on their yoghurts and replace it with best before. Actually, the older the better, really. But use-by, best before. What about the Bible, 2,000 years old? Is that past its sell-by date? What are we doing in the 21st century basing our lives on such an old-fashioned, out-of-date book? What possible place does it have in the modern world? You read through it and you find a tacit acceptance of slavery, the patriarchal subjection of women. Isn't it better to leave it unopened on the shelf as an item of religious curiosity rather than opening it and expecting God to speak to us through it and guide us by it? And I ask that question and invite you to ponder it, conscious that many of us who are Christians here this morning watching online, in practice do leave our Bibles on the shelf, unopened and unread. You may believe or profess to believe that it's the word of God, but if you never read it or listen to it, you deny God the opportunity to speak to you through it. And it is God's word, because God does and can speak to us through it. Because God didn't stop speaking, actually. There's a sense, of course, in which Jesus is God's last word to the world. Hebrews says as much in the claim that God spoke in many and varied ways in the past with the prophets, but in these last days, he's spoken to us through his Son. There's clearly a sense, then, in which Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God. After Jesus, what more is there to be said? And yet, in John 16, Jesus says, there's more. There's more to tell you. Too much for you to be able to bear at the moment. So he leaves them with a promise that when the Holy Spirit of truth comes, he will guide them into all truth. What does he mean by that? At one level, of course, he's talking about the revelation that we find in the New Testament. The unpacking of who Jesus is, the meaning of his life and death and resurrection. The instructions of how to live for him. We find all that in the Gospels and the Acts and the letters. Now, I don't know which the last book of the New Testament was to be written. But supposing, for the sake of argument, it was Revelation. And when John had finished writing, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with everyone, amen, did the Holy Spirit stop dictating and say, well, thank goodness that's over. 66 books, done and dusted. They won't be hearing from me again. No. That can't be how it works. Yes, there is a sense in which the 27 books of the New Testament carry a unique authority because they're probably all written in the lifespan of those who had a living memory of Jesus. In that sense, they are irreplaceable. But God still 
talks to his people today. Let me invite you to consider John 16, 13, where Jesus promises that the spirit of truth would guide his followers into all truth. Incidentally, can we have the, the PowerPoint up, please, Jeff? Thank you, that's brilliant. Did that promise only hold good for those listening to his words that night? Or did John, writing those words in his gospel, suppose that they held good for his readers? Was Jesus speaking not just to those in the room, but was John aware he'd be speaking to those who read his gospel? And if that's the case for us, 2,000 years down the road, does Jesus' promise hold good for us? Does the spirit of truth guide us into all truth today? Does the Spirit still communicate with us today? Does he still bring glory by taking what belongs to Jesus and making it known to us today? Does he still prophesy about things which are to come? Yes, he does. If the Spirit is silent, if the Spirit no longer speaks to us, if God only ever spoke in the past, then yes, our Bibles belong in a museum. Your average church building will do very nicely. But if God still takes his word and speaks to us by his spirit, then we need to be open to that. Expectant. Ready. Tuning into God with our Bibles open on our laps or on our phones. Opening our hearts to hear his voice. What do you have to say to us? Lord, what do you have to say to me? In a rapidly changing world with very few fixed points, does the Spirit still guide us into all truth? Absolutely. Yes, he does. The Spirit has things to say to us. Are you listening? Would you recognise his voice if he spoke to you? How do you recognise his voice? How do we avoid complete subjectivity? That's a bright idea. God's told me that. Every passing fad, every, every new initiative, that's from the Holy Spirit. Not necessarily. It's an important question because Jesus makes it clear that the Holy Spirit doesn't speak of his own bat, as it were. He speaks only what he hears from the Father and the Son and that's what he passes on to us. The Spirit is a reliable guide. Not it has to be said, and my apologies to my wife here, not like the Maps app on her phone, which if you're lost in Chesterfield looking for Sainsbury's, tells you that the nearest supermarket is in Bournemouth. <laughs> the Holy Spirit knows where you are, knows where you're going, and promises to be a sure guide. So what the Holy Spirit says to you can be trusted. And if there's a problem with communication, it rests with our capacity to hear, our ability to tune in through the million and one other broadcasts and silent voices, all that static that interferes and blocks out what the Spirit's saying. So what are the indications that this comes from the Spirit or not? Paul says the Spirit is not the author of confusion but of peace there tends to be a degree of clarity about what the Spirit says and the Spirit's leading. If it's unease or disquiet, 
Those are things that the Spirit works to dispel rather than generate. The peace of Christ governing and directing our hearts. Anger is a tricky one. Sometimes God brings a righteous anger there, but often if we're acting out of anger, then it's our own emotions that are distorting what we hear. We need to seek God's leading. The Spirit will not direct you through guilt or fear. So if you are hesitating about following a particular course of action, it's always worth pondering what's holding you back. And if it's guilt or fear putting the brakes on, then they should be aware that's not the Spirit speaking. And what about distinguishing what the Spirit says from your own desires and longings? God's will for your life, not whatever you really, really want. Not satisfying your inner cravings or lusts. And there will always be a degree of correspondence between God's written word and what you feel the Spirit is saying to you here and now. If the Spirit is speaking, there will be a clear correlation between the two. The Spirit will never tell you simply to ignore or disregard God's word. There are 66 books in the Bible. There are clearly threads that you can trace through the Bible that bind it all together. But equally in the Bible, at times you hear different voices, different perspectives. If you doubt me on this, remember what Jesus said time and again in the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard, he says, quoting the Old Testament, but I say to you, with a very different emphasis. Interpreting the Bible is not always straightforward by any means. And sometimes... Sometimes it doesn't give us the final word on everything. Sometimes it gives us signposts showing us which way to go. And then we have to entrust ourselves to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But there will always be a correlation between what the Scripture says and what the Spirit says. You should always be able to trace what you feel the Spirit is saying back to the overall message of Scripture. It doesn't just duplicate or repeat what you read on the printed page. The Spirit is into interpreting, finding fresh meanings and applications of God's world in an ever-changing world. That's why the task of biblical interpretation didn't finish with the Reformation. It carries on today as God's Spirit guides God's people into all truth. In the words of George Rawson's hymn, the Lord hath yet more light and truth to break forth from his word. Read it with an expectation that God will say something fresh to you through it. Many years ago, I heard Tom Wright suggest an analogy to help us understand how to interpret the Bible. He said, suppose one day a Shakespeare play were discovered, which was incomplete. The, the penultimate scene was missing. So in the first four acts, you have the plot and all the characters laid out, and in the final scene of Acts 5, you can see how the play is supposed to end. But there is a gap. What do you do? In that case, how would you produce the play and fill in the missing scene? You'd have to use the characters, you'd have to be true to the plot as it had developed up until that point in time at the end of Act 5, Scene 3, and then you'd know you'd need to get to Act 5, Scene 4 at, 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 at the... At, sorry, well, I'm muddling up the scenes here. But anyway, the penultimate scene would be the gap between the, 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 the final scene and the scene before the missing one. And you're true to everything up until that point in time, but you want to get to how the play ends. You improvise. You make it up. 
You figure it out. You work out how the plot will work in practice. And that, he said, is how we find ourselves with the Bible. We know the story up until our point in time. God's work in creation, our turning away from God. God's calling of Abraham to father a nation who would be holy to him, draw the world back to himself, Israel's failure in that calling. God's sending his son to die on the cross and rise from the dead to bring about his new creation, the kingdom of God breaking in, the gift of the Holy Spirit to work within us as his church. And we see the church with all its faults and failures seeking to discover what it means to live as God's citizens in a fallen and hostile world. And then you see the end. Jesus coming back in power and glory as judge of all the world to bring an end to suffering and evil and fulfil God's eternal purposes. And we fill the gap in between. The coming of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the start of the church, the return of Jesus at the end of time. We live in that period between the two. And we can see everything that's gone before. We have a pretty good idea of how it's supposed to end. Our task now with the help of the Holy Spirit, is to work out what happens in practice. Living our lives in accordance with the past and anticipating what is coming in the future. But there's no set script for us to follow. God looks for us to build on the scriptures, to understand them, to interpret them, to figure out what they mean today, to follow his lead and to listen for the guiding prompts of the Holy Spirit. How do we live as God's holy people in Horsham in the wake of a global pandemic with spiralling inflation, the threat of climate change and a world that looks increasingly dangerous and unstable. That's the challenge that we face. And we can see clearly principles laid out in Scripture. And we have the spirit of truth whose job it is to guide us into all truth. And we know how God wants the story to end. We know where we've come from, we know where we're going, and we have the spirit of truth as our guide. That is enough. That is enough. But at times, we'll feel as if we're just feeling our way. At times, we'll feel as if we're lost. We might even feel as if we've lost touch with our guide. But God is faithful. He's given you his spirit. So if you're not sure which way to go, don't just blunder on blindly. Stop. Pray. Listen. Read the Bible. Wait. Ask God to give you wisdom. Ask him to direct your course. Ask him to show you the way to be your guide. You are not alone. You belong to God. God is with you. If you have the Spirit, God is within you. And he will bring you safely to your destination. He wants to help you find the path that will bring him glory and help you fulfill your purpose and potential. The more we read this book, the Bible, the more we understand what God is like. 
the more we become aware of his character, his purposes, his will. The more we tune ourselves in to God's frequency. The more we open ourselves up to God speaking to us. We read, we pray, we wait, we listen. For God to take his word and bring it to life in our hearts. To him to say, this is my word to you today. The spirit to speak into your situation. But we need to be humble. We need to be prayerful. We need to make ourselves available to God. We need to be people who say, Lord, here is my life. Take who I am. Direct who I should be. Show me how I should live. Guide me where I should go. Teach me what I should do. I place my life in your hands. We're not about telling God, this is what I'd like you to do, this is what I want to happen in my life. We're about saying to God, here I am. Your will be done. Speak to me, guide me. And he will. Because he's promised his spirit will guide you into all truth. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that your Bible does not belong in a museum or on a shelf, but it belongs in our lives. Thank you for all that we read. Your truth. Who you are. Your plans and purposes for your people, for this world. The gift of your son for us. And thank you that your word is living and active. Has the power to speak deep into our lives and our souls and change us. Thank you for the way which your spirit has the power to generate fresh understanding. To enable us to hear you speaking directly into our lives and our situations. To guide us into the future. Lord, may we be people whose lives are rooted in your past revelation in scripture. And who are open to what you have to say to us in the present. To discover what it means to live for you. Moving into the future. Open our hearts. Open our eyes. Open our minds, we pray. To your light. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together, Lights of God.
You'll be aware that in a couple of weeks we have a church meeting. That is an opportunity for us to gather, those of us who are members, and listen to what God is saying to us. To weigh it, to discern it, to act upon it. If there's stuff you feel you'd like to share at that meeting, if you're not a member, let me know. If you are a member, come and be prepared to share it on the night. Listen for God's voice. Pray and walk in obedience to what he says. Let's share together in the words of the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.